Welcome to the CyberLife Podcast, where we help you learn cybersecurity best practices, give you a weekly update on the latest cybersecurity news, and share valuable career advice. Hey everyone, it's Ken. In today's episode, you're going to hear from Yesenia Sir. And Yesenia is a senior software security engineer. She's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. She was born and raised in Miami, and she's a first-generation Cuban-American. As she likes to say, she's paving the way to awaken the indomitable warrior spirit within all of us. And really, that helps protect us in both the digital realm and the physical world. So Yesenia is a Latina, and she's standing as a beacon of strength, actively tackling global cybersecurity challenges, while also building communities as a servant leader. She's really dedicated to fostering self-confidence, cultivating good partnerships in the tech space, as well as championing diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's got an extensive background that spans years of experience in cybersecurity, as well as software development. She's got a bachelor's degree in computer science, a master's degree in digital forensics. She's worked in a ton of different cybersecurity areas, like the SOC, uh, software development security operations, so DevSecOps essentially, software supply chain security, as well as working in the open source software realm. And so beyond all those tech contributions she's done over the years, she also, as I mentioned, a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor, and she actually has created and leads a women's self-defense program to really help women in her local area and empower them, both in physical defense as well as improving their mindset for the digital realm uh, defense as well. And so she's really an advocate, again, I mentioned for diversity, equity, inclusion, really empowering women and and trying to really get more women interested in tech, especially Latino women and other women of color, and to really help them grow as a person, as an individual, help them build self-assurance, self-confidence, self-esteem, as well as kind of, she also acts as kind of that, that cyber mentor as well as a big sister. So a lot of experience, and in today's episode, Yesenia is kind of kind of blend a discussion around open source software and how you can leverage open source software projects to help start and grow your cybersecurity career, talking a little bit about building a digital portfolio, and of course, talking about how jiu-jitsu and some of the fundamentals you learn in jiu-jitsu apply to the cybersecurity world. So without further ado, let's jump right in and learn from Yesenia. So thanks again for coming on the show today, Yesenia. So today for the audience, we're going to be talking about a a couple of different things. We're going to talk about open source projects, which is a good way for you to get some hands-on experience and also make some really good connections. We'll talk about jujitsu and how that applies in the cybersecurity world. And also we'll talk about building a digital portfolio kind of wrapped up in that and some other career advice as well. So without further ado, I just want to dive into the open source side of things a little bit here. And so Yesenia, do you mind just explaining for those that don't know like what, what are some of the principles behind open source and, and how can those fundamental principles of open source be actually applied in the cybersecurity world to help us build better defense? Yeah, good question. Thank you for having me, Ken. Uh, so a little bit about open source is this is publicly available software that anybody can access. And this is used in 70 to 80% of tools and technologies that use throughout the world. So from our airplanes to our motor vehicles, to our cell phones, to our computers, open source is a part of it. So some of the principles behind open source that is applicable to cybersecurity, because one, cybersecurity also covers the realm of software. Um, I would have to say my top five is transparency, uh, collaboration within the groups, release early and often, and then inclusive uh, meritocracy, I can never pronounce that word correctly, and then the sense of community. 
So in open source, everything's publicly available. So anything that you say in the comments, anything that you share is viewed by anyone. So the level of transparency allows others to collaborate on your piece of either features or documentations or uh, any test cases that you're creating. And then with it, open source allows for, once again, it's public. So anybody can join in the conversation um, and contribute. So it allows folks to come in no matter what their background, no matter what their experience is, and come in and start asking questions and start providing and collaborating. Um, so it really grows this, this whole community. And then in the sense of cybersecurity, um, one thing is, especially in my career that I've experienced is, um, you might sometimes wanna be a little bit perfectionist and we wanna have those guidance and standards very, very like quote unquote perfect, right? That fits every edge case, every risk case, every abuse case possible. But sometimes you gotta start a little bit smaller. So the idea of releasing early and often allows that, um, allows, uh, the principle of um, agile development to happen. So those iterative processes to flow through. And if you start small, but you start early, you can start getting that iterative feedback and start producing better guidelines or standards or even software, because now you have more folks looking at it, you have more folks testing it. So those are, those are the five principles that I see that open source really helps drive within the cybersecurity realm. So you mentioned that anyone can really contribute to open source projects. And as we see most open source projects, people are contributing from all over the world. And really the, the project itself has that decentralized nature of collaboration. So like, are there any lessons that cybersecurity professionals can learn from taking that decentralized approach? Yeah. So the, the fact that it's, a, you're working with folks around the world. Like nowadays we're all virtual. We're all in this remote space, regardless of our career. Um, there are some companies that are still more local or restricted to like the U.S., but eventually for uh, scaling a business, there is the global approach. So with open source, you're working with folks all around the world. So you get the different diverse and diverse perspectives, the different cultures, the different ideas of how to solve a problem, um, which is great because now you can actually sit there and have these conversations of these securities problems with folks that have done di things differently and see the world differently. So going back to like being able to do be it perfect and seeing all these different cases and driving it early with a diverse thought, you could go ahead and simplify uh, a smaller release and essentially have everyone look at it, provide their feedback, and then make sure that you have those those phased out approach uh, for your roadmap that includes, you know, the, the quote unquote different initiatives that you wanted to add to your perfection. Um, Others is you have the different time zones. If for those folks that are going into security operations, I remember those used to be shift works. So you would be able to work with um, you. It was like seven to seven, seven a.m. to seven a, seven p.m. Uh, you had noon to about uh, two in the morning or some things like that. Um, so it was a wide range of different shifts to cover the globe's time zones when you're doing uh, security analysis and reviewing investigations. So just the fact that you have to work with folks in different time zones, um, maybe there's language barriers as you're doing this. There's um, different areas in the world that you have to consider the regulations. Uh, this is another area that like just being able to contribute with folks around the world 
hey, you might find out that the you know Chinese New Year's, for example, uh, goes on a few weeks that they'll be out for a set amount of weeks. And they're like, okay. Um, and different religions and different cultures around the world also do this. So understanding that will also help when you're doing these professional uh, cybersecurity. So in the idea of the security operations, uh, let's say you're investigating something that's happening, uh, we'll just say in some country, but you know, in that country right now, uh, they're undergoing some holidays. So more than likely they're gonna be head down. So if you have an employee for that company um, that's in that country and they're doing malicious things or you know suspect the things on the, the server, that's a way to indicate that like, hey, um, they may be have they may have a compromised account. Um, so I think with open source, really contributing with folks around the world, once again, it goes back into those principles of collaboration and working with a diverse thoughts and perspective, but also gives you an understanding of the rest of the world. So when you do have to go into the cybersecurity uh, threat analysis or investigative piece, you can understand the world in a different perspective and not just from um, the whole software piece, but what's happening in the world. So if I'm someone brand new out there and I'm listening to this episode, like how, how do I get involved in open source projects? Where do I find them? Is there like a, a single place to look? And, and with that also, as I'm doing these projects, like how can I actually turn these into something that will help me get a cybersecurity job? Yeah, so I... I like to advocate what's called a digital portfolio. So digital portfolio is your digital presence. So this could be your LinkedIn, your Medium, your social media platforms, it sounds to be LinkedIn, your GitHub, um, your resume in itself. But it really should be a portal to everything that you've been able to contribute. So if you're contributing to open source, I know in the beginning of my career, I was working more proprietary. So when I went into job interviews, I couldn't talk about things that I worked on. I couldn't demonstrate or show the technical skills that I had because I was restricted for by legal matters for the things that I've worked on and things that I've done. So I couldn't talk about it. Uh, once you start contributing to open source, it's publicly available that you can literally point to people to the lines of code that you contributed to, to the documentation that you created, to the website you created. And it's really helping showcase um, the work that you've done, your technical expertise, um, and what you what you bring to the table. When it comes to being a new person and trying to transition into the cybersecurity realm, some of the open source communities that I usually recommend is like OWASP, uh, CNCF, which is cloud native, uh, and then, OpenSSF. There's other foundations in the open source uh, realm. Those are just the ones that I tend to contribute to. Um, and in there, you're able to join public calls in which you're able to focus on specific problems. So I know for OpenSSF, they're a software security foundation. Uh, you can go in there and talk about security threats. You can talk about vulnerability disclosure processes, um, supply chain security, you have SIGSTOR, uh, you have, which is, a, it's helping uh, the transparency of our digital, digitally signed uh, products. And then you have, you know, CNCF, which is like Kubernetes, uh, Docker, a lot of more of the cloud uh, open source foundation. So depending on where you enjoy, each of them has its own purpose, but under them, they have their own like meeting groups. So you can join public calls, you can join public uh, repositories, uh, such as GitHub, join the conversations, contribute and start 
providing to the open source community. And essentially it impacts the world. A lot of the times things that the open source world contributes to, uh, folks in the industry will take as guidelines as standards and start implementing within. So coming in, they may be like, hey, are you familiar with uh, best practices, for example, from OpenSSF? Are you familiar with the scorecard, um, which rates your your product, your, your open source product based on security levels? Um, and just being familiar with this, you'll see this these different pieces across the industry. So I want to pivot a little bit over to jujitsu. So for those that don't know, you're a you're a world champion jujitsu uh, no. practitioner. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> or, or, or in, yeah, in in progress, in progress. In but, progress. But essentially, you know, jujitsu teaches a number of you know concept, fundamental strategies, you know, things like adaptability, problem solving, etc. So, just from your experience in jujitsu, how can someone kind of take some of those jujitsu fundamentals and apply them, or or even from any martial art? How can someone take those fundamentals and apply them to their cybersecurity career? So through my experience, I've been training for about five years and I've been in the cyber industry for about 12 or the tech industry for about 12. And I, ever since I started, I've seen not only a correlation to my personal growth, but how I reflect and how I represent myself in the cybersecurity. So when I first started, I was more of a yes person. I, uh, was more of trying to figure out how to please everyone, how to how to make sure that you know whatever needed to get done was done, which is still a principle I do, but at the at the risk of my own personal health. So once I started training, um, there was a few things that I learned was which is keeping me driven through my career is you know re- resiliency. Um, things are going to happen no matter what, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little intense quote, but it's, it's been a quote that's been sitting with me for a few weeks is, uh, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mic and until you get punched in the face. And this is something that Mike Tyson said. So really being ready for those edge cases, those uh, worst case scenarios, um, really helps you for when everything shifts and everything that you had planned, um, is no longer reachable or that door that you were going through, I'm not going to say reachable because everything is reachable, but this, um, that door closes and now you have to reshuffle and figure out where you're going to go. So on the mats, you're constantly aiming for a goal, whether this is submission or just overall surviving uh, those those rows and matches. So it really teaches you of like not giving up um, if you feel like you're in a tight spot, really taking a moment and assessing the situation and figuring out which route you can go, or do you give up? Um, after a few times of giving up, you just kind of get upset at yourself and you're like, okay, I'm not going to give up. I need to figure out how to get out of this. So the resiliency really has been playing a part in my career where if something I've seen is not uh, moving me towards a goal or something that I want to achieve, now I have to take a step back and realize like, okay, how do I move maneuver with this? The other thing is staying calm in an intense situation. Um, I've been told I have a calming presence when everything goes into uh, what I like to call wild chickens with no heads. Um, so especially in cybersecurity where crazy things happen on a daily, um, I've been in the tables, I've been at the table when, you know, uh, major breaches has happened at some companies and it's like 
what do we do? And everyone's panicking. And instead of joining into that emotion of just panic and chaos, I've been able to sit back, breathe, take a moment and be like, okay, is everyone done with their emotions or can we move on with trying to solve this problem? Um, and really being able to stay calm in those pieces. So with jujitsu, they're trying to submit you. It's a it's a form of ground grappling for those that aren't familiar, similar to wrestling, but we're not pinning. We're, the overall goal is to submit the person, whether it's a choke or an extension of a limb um, or the time runs out. Um, time sometimes doesn't run out in real life or it does in more intense scenarios. Uh, but being able to like really take a moment as and as gruesome as this might sound is you know someone's choking you and you know that either you have to tap or you have 10 seconds on the clock or you have five seconds or five minutes on the clock like how do you get out of this and how do you stay calm usually when you panic and you drive through emotions usually we we say tap tap snap or nap so you have those three options when it comes to jujitsu. You either tap saying, I give up, let's not proceed and reset. Um, you snap, which means a part of your body breaks, or you nap, which is if they're in a choke, you you go to sleep. So I think after <laughs> the intense of, you know, for those that box, for those that have done some kind of martial arts, there's always that intense physical endurance that has to go in so remaining calm in those situations is really key um, and that applies to cybersecurity as well or even your career um, just finding out news uh, that has drastically shifted your 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 life if you spend two weeks um, panicking and stressing but not doing anything about it you're just going to be in the same spot but if you find out you take a moment you feel the emotions, you reconsider, you allow yourself to feel, but at the same time, you start strategically thinking of like, okay, how do I get out of from, how do I get out of this and not be submitted? Um, that's another one. And then just the ability to adapt quickly. Nothing goes to plan. So you might come in, I'm competing, so I have a game plan. I have a few game plans. I have a game plan A, B, C, D, and E. Um, and really making sure that if I have to go to game plan M, <laughs> I know or I feel comfortable shifting gears from what I originally had planned. So really that adaptability and adjusting based on your scenario and your situation um, are things that I've noticed that martial arts has taught me. There's also the confidence, being able to walk into a room. Um, I'm one of the, I'm usually typically one of the only females in the rooms, both on the mats and at work. So that for me gives me a sense of confidence, like, um, I feel comfortable pulling up a chair to the table because <laughs> I pull up a chair to the mats and um, there's just a, a weird confidence driven thing that is once you've endured a situation and this can go into like uh, other situations I've had this conversation of just confidence in another area of space so working out or dance. Um, but typically martial arts, is, it teaches you the resiliency, the, the staying calm in such an intense matter um, and just the ability to quickly adapt to your situation. With a calm mind, you're able to think quickly. Um, and it was weird, I was thinking about this as well, is the ability to slow down time. Once you're in those those weird submissions where everything just starts creeping, the, the time is not moving um, very similar to when you're 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 in a plank. Um, 
really being able to think about where's their weight? How much time do I have left? What are they thinking of moving? Where am I connected to? Um, and really being able to adjust for those different strategies to uh, move forward in a more dominant position in jujitsu. Um, but even in career is really taking that step back. And it's like, okay, we just had this breach happened. This is, this is as much information we know. What can we start thinking about? How can we start adjusting this? And how do we prepare our resources, our employees to start being able to take the next steps to remediate this um, and decrease the impact as much as possible? So looking back on your career, you know, especially places where maybe you struggled and it could be, you know, struggle with learning, struggle with an incident, struggle with coworkers, whatever. But like, is there a, is there a particular like, major impactful moment that, that you can think of in your career where, where you kind of where you know, like you say with jujitsu, right? Like you've got to make that decision. Am I going to tap out? Am I going to, you know, try to fight to the end of the clock? Am I, I'm going to let somebody break my arm. Essentially you're kind of in that, in that same moment in your cyber career, like you've got to decide, do I give up or do I keep going? Like, is there any, any moments like that that you've had in your career? And, and do you mind sharing about that? Yeah, I've I've had quite a few. Um the the most impactful I would say and it's it's one that I've been think I think about more often these days is a, a few years ago after I had just started jujitsu. I was probably there for a little under a year. Um, but I was in what I would consider a toxic work environment and a toxic home environment. So it was just um I was so focused on my career goals. I was getting my my bachelor, uh, yeah, I was getting my master's degree in digital forensics. I was in the process of buying my house. Um, I had, you know, a lot of things, stress levels, but I didn't feel safe at home and at work. Just didn't feel like uh, there was any progress. So that was really the moment that I started diving a little bit further into uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I volunteered to start coaching the kids um, and really get back that like that lovely youthful curiosity that kids just have and that desire for them to learn. And they taught me a lot during those moments of, of coaching. Um, it's something I miss. I, I stopped doing it this year so I can focus on building out a, a women's self-defense program called the Linus Instincts. But it was just the idea of having kind of that space for me so I would go from work, go to the gym, teach the kids, and then I would train. So by the time I got home, I just, I was tired. It was time to eat, shower, um, and get ready for the next day and do it all over again. And this way, it limited the time that I was at uh, the house. And with that, uh, it taught me ways to protect myself at home, which led to me no longer being in that situation. And then once that situation started remediating itself slowly, because those things do take a long time, um, I was given the clear headspace to start looking for the next opportunity. And I didn't settle. I didn't. I took in the confidence that I had gained from the mats and from dealing with the work environment, the, the at-home environment. And I was able to get a position that I absolutely love um, and you know, cherish the the journey and memories that I, I was able to create in, in, in that piece. And, you know, moving forward a few years later to where I'm currently at, um, I was recently laid off. And, and once again, I didn't sit there and just, you know, start 
I cried. I'm not gonna lie. I cried, but <laughs> I readjusted and there was something that was said to me uh, during the week was usually you can make strifeful impact in your physical when you do those, you, those big leaps in your physical. So you start you know, lifting more, you lifting heavier, or you make a drastic change in how you focus your fit fitness it will make a drastic change in how you focus on your uh, career, your life. And they just start gradually um, intersect intersecting. So I I decided to compete for something that I probably would have never done before is uh, for the ADD, ADCC uh, jiu-jitsu competition um, as I start looking for the next career. But I'm such a good, happy place um, you know, I was able to give myself because of uh, the training and the men, um, mindset that jujitsu has been able to drill into me. I was able to not only just have an exit strategy, but have things laid out that are in line with my passion and my careers and my goals. So the fact that I got laid off was like, okay, well, now just put more time into all these other pieces um, as I search for the next opportunity. But it it's it's been really a great a, a blessing and a lot of gratitude has been happened through you know all the work that I've put so you know having a nice little honey pot and making sure that I was secure and financially stable for the next couple pieces um, I think it's really made an impact and I'm excited for what's to come um, I feel like the energy of the universe is guiding me to the the right and positive way and it's, I see it and it's coming. And once it's here, I'm excited to share with the rest of the world. So I think everything you just said was very powerful. And I'm hoping that the audience, I'm going to try to just give a, a little bit of insight into the lesson that that you all need to walk away with mindset, positive mindset. You you notice as Yusini was talking, she wasn't like, oh, my employer that just laid me off sucks. My boss is terrible. Everyone hates me. Wah, wah, wah. She's like, okay, you know, this happened. I can't change that, right? It's already happened. But my mindset is going to say positive. I've, you know, she obviously took preparation in advance of ensuring she was financially set. So for those out there looking at the latest iPhone, don't buy it, save your money. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I have an old version, but you know, I think, I think you, you, I think that positive mindset of people, a lot of people don't realize how important that is. They, they think they need the next certification, the next college degree that, you know, that's going to be the difference. Oftentimes it's your mindset that is stopping you from getting that cybersecurity career or starting yes. that career that you're looking at because you're, because a just like we say, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. A closed mind doesn't see opportunity. And so if you're constantly wah, 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 crying all the time, then you're not going to see opportunities when they come. You're not going to recognize them as an opportunity. So I, we could literally go for hours on the mindset because yeah. I, I can, <laughs> I, I will jabber away. Um, but, but I want to keep, you know, this succinct and focused on you, Yesenia. And so I want to ask you, you know, around the career stuff, any final thoughts or advice for someone, whether they're starting out or they're currently in their career making, you know, maybe looking at their next opportunity like you are, any any final thoughts or advice you would give those people? Yeah, so the, the strategy that I'm going to be using now is um, using the digital portfolio strategy. And I have an article out. If anyone's listening that's interested, just feel free to message me um, and I can share the link with uh, Ken to share with the podcast. Uh but essentially, there's five pieces. It's finding your platform. So for me, it's going to be social media, um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Instagram are mostly going to be the the pieces that I'm going to be focusing on. 
Um, I'm going to find an open source project. I'm still, which is kind of why I'm giving myself a break on just competing. I'm trying to figure out if I want to go into automotive or AI or threat uh, hunting in the cyberspace. Uh, once I, I drill down and decide which area I want to go into, um, I'm going to find an open source project and start contributing to it. Now, once I start contributing to it, I'm planning to have it so uh, it gets, of course, added to my resume and my LinkedIn. But the most important thing is I is having kind of an accountability report in in a sense. So for those that have been in the industry, whether software, sometimes there's a thing called stand-up in which you talk about what you've done. What challenges did you overcome? What blockers did you have? Do you still have the blockers? And what's the next steps for you? So once you take that and you do this on a weekly, you start publishing it. You know, it doesn't matter. Nobody reads it. For you, it's that 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 still driven force that's going to keep you moving because to yourself, you're going to say, okay, I got to get my report out. I need to, you know, make sure that they see this. Reporters, um, not reporters, recruiters are going to see this as they're looking for you uh, for these jobs. And they're going to be able to read all the work that you've put in. So now, if you can't talk about the work that you do at your job, you can definitely talk about the work that you've done in open source. When you get into a job interview, your key points, your technical areas can be about the open source projects that you've been working on, what you contributed to, what you've learned from it. And just once again, as, as Kenneth said, keeping that positive mindset. Um, I've interviewed folks who come in and they're all, wah, wah, I got fired. And honestly, they're harder to take serious. They don't seem, if you don't come in seeming passionate and excited to do the work, you're less likely to move forward. The other thing is once I get all that, during my job hunting areas, I need to decide which one, which area I'm gonna focus on and what roles do I wanna do. So at this moment, I'm looking at uh, security architecting roles in which I'm designing and contributing to software, understanding regulations and standards as it, it's applicable during the build process, um, working with different teams. So that could be product or engineering um, and really influencing the operations of how to drive this forward and working with the teams, providing guidance and consulting on you know what they need to do uh, more on the technical stance. And then I really enjoy speaking. So uh, kind of a mixture of a DevRel evangelist slash security architect. Um, the cool thing about this realm is you can create, you got to stick to the job titles, but you can create whatever it is that fills your 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 heart. And so um, so when someone looks at my, in, my LinkedIn, hopefully it's updated by, by then. That's what they should see. They should be able to see a security architect. They should be able to see an uh, DevRel evangelist who's talking about uh, the great ways to enter open source, who's talking about how do we secure our products, who's talking about the latest and greatest regulations. Um, now, I'll look at those job positions, and this is more for the folks that are new. I'll look at those job postings, and I create two lists, the things that I have done and the things that I haven't done. Anything that I haven't done becomes now a study plan. Uh, maybe I find a course or two that kind of encapsulates it, or I start using the open source projects to start working on that. The cool thing about open source is you can have conversations with industry experts. You start connecting with folks all over the world who are working with different industries who will review your code, who will review the work that you've done. So you're getting that 
the active feedback as well. Um, so work with them and you start growing those technical skills. Um, and it just, for me, it feels like a full circle. Once you start working on it, you start advertising it. If you're working on something and nobody knows about it, or you don't like document it, you don't have to post it. But if you don't document it, it's going to be hard to remember by the time you go into a job interview. And what you can just do is literally read your status reports up to a job interview and then just make sure that you have like those key points uh, in grade based on what they're looking for. So I wouldn't read things about Kubernetes if they don't use Kubernetes, for example. Um, so, so really taking a look at how are you branding yourself? How are you presenting yourself? Um, doing your elevator pitch, an exercise I give my mentees is to do your elevator pitch, leave it, come back the next day or a few hours later and just highlight every areas of self-doubt that you've added in there. Leave it, walk away, get a fresh brand new piece of paper and write it again and start doing that process drastically. Share it with friends, share it with colleagues because um, your elevator pitch should be coming from a confident person who's very passionate and excited for the work. So a ton of good advice there on, on the uh, career side and job seeking side of the house, you know, so a couple of the key takeaways, at least that I got from that is uh, number one, make sure that whatever you're um, working on or, or trying to showcase is relevant to what you actually want to do. So as you see, mentioned, if they're not using Kubernetes, why are you taking, you know, 12 courses on that right now? If you want to work at that company, right? So make it relevant to whatever they're, they're specifically wanting. Another thing we talked about this earlier when we briefly, I mentioned the mindset, closed mouths don't get fed. Yesenia just said, you need to like share this, right? That's how recruiters, that's how hiring managers, that's how HR people, that's how just practitioners in general share about you. They say, oh, Yesenia has been working on this. And so when I hear about a job open and I know Yesenia is looking and she's been working on this to try to get a certain job, I'm going to be like, hey, are you still looking for a job? That's how you get a job. How you don't get a job is going on like Indeed or LinkedIn or like you rarely will get a, any, any, even an interview applying through job boards. The way to do it is to showcase what you're working on, how that's relevant, how that solves problems for a company and make sure you're communicating that. Just like if you were selling something, if you had your own business, you, you do have your own business. Let me say it like that. You are selling yourself essentially to these potential employers. And so the more you can sell yourself effectively and show like how you can potentially solve their problems or they can see how you think through a problem, you're much more likely to get interviews and also offers. And when you do it that way, you actually can command much more compensation than anybody else. And so I think, you know, you you had, you unpacked a lot of stuff there, Yesenia. And I just want to kind of do a, a quick recap because I don't think I think most people would just gloss over that. They won't necessarily grab all those lessons. You know, you shared a ton of yeah. good info in this. Um, anyways, I know you've got a, a competition to, to practice for. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in, in the world championships, maybe next year and, um, you know, and cheering Coming. you on, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but thanks again for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom as usual. I know you've helped thousands of people over the years and uh, please keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're looking to secure your business better or build up your cybersecurity career, then check us out over at cyberlife.tv. That's C-Y-B-E-R-L-I-F-E dot T-V.